You don't really get a manual. There's things that if you're not a dad, if you're not a parent, you've never learned and nobody talked about it. And uh, I was thinking about it with uh, Pastor Izzy and Ariel. They're about, what, two weeks away from their first child being born. And so, uh, yeah, you can, that's great. You can clap for them. <laughs> Dottie, I mean, hashtag girl dad. That's what's up. Um, but, you, you know, the whole time uh, we've been talking this past year, really since they told us that they were pregnant, I've been giving so much unsolicited advice to him. So many things that he's just not even asking me, but I'm like, listen, I know you're not asking me, but you probably want to know this. Here's something you do. Here's the, remember to do this. Hey, when you do that, like little things, you know, like, you know, hey, when you open that diaper for the first time, they're going to pee again. Don't fall for it. You know, once that wind hits, the pee's coming out, like all these little intricacy things, stuff that I didn't know, even as they're growing, like there was this phase that Josie was in where she would pound her head on the, on the floor, like when she was throwing a tantrum. And I was genuinely concerned. Like I wasn't sure if I needed to get an old priest and a young priest and start throwing oil on her. I'm like, what is she doing? She would rage out and she would just slam her head on the hardwood floor. And I'm like calling people, like, is this normal? Like, uh, and then I'm researching, like, yeah, it's totally normal. They're, they're, they're just kind of doing it for attention. They know how hard to not hit themselves. I'm like, Oh, she's, she's, that's horrible. Like, you're a very manipulative little child. Um, and so again, there's just stuff you don't know. There's things that you don't understand. There's stuff that you, unless somebody helps you or, or somebody goes through it. And I don't know, man, I like to ask a lot of questions. I don't know about guys that don't like to ask questions. I, I'm like, I don't know what I don't know. And I'm going to ask you. And even if your answer is dumb, I'm going to learn from that dumb answer to not do what you did. Um, and so I'm just trying to grow in this. Because we all need an example, right? We, we all need a, an example of what to do and how to do it. And, and the more we have that example, even if it's a bad example, the more we can learn from it. Now, thanks be to God that he's given us a wonderful example of what it means to be a father. Even that term, God the Father, God the Son. I mean, God could have used any kind of term, God the Master, God the Servant, God the... He could have used any kind of vernacular to describe himself, but that term, God the Father, is what we see throughout scriptures, and, and there's such a powerful moment in that, and how God the Father treats his Son, and how you and I are to treat our children, and not even that, but just treat ourselves and our relationship with God. So if you have your Bibles, to me, one of the most beautiful examples of this is in the book of Matthew, chapter 3. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, Jesus uh, arrives at John the Baptist, and he's getting ready to get baptized, and uh, John the Baptist is kind of freaked out by this whole scenario because he knows who this is. And if you read in verse 13, listen to what it says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he, said, uh, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning on him. And a voice from heaven said, pay attention, this is my son whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. Let me read that one more time because I remember the first time I read this as a dad, it really, really threw me. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Three really powerful statements in that one phrase. There's three things that I think God the Father is showing us as an example of how to be when it comes to being parents, but also how to be when it comes to our relationship with God. 
There's some things, especially I think, and I'm just gonna speak from my perspective, uh, for, for fellas, I think we can have a hard time with some of these. And even with, with all of us together, I think we have a hard time if we haven't seen this example played out in the natural world. But if you're taking notes, I think these are the things that God wants us to really understand this morning. Number one is this, that God was willing to publicly acknowledge his son. Public acknowledgement. He said, this is my son. I don't know, maybe it's because of my age and where I grew up and, you know, uh, I'm just thinking about all the years of Maury and how he made a whole career out of paternity tests. And, uh, and you know, if you ever watch Maury, it's, it's the same show every week, you know, sprinkled in the little weird phobia episode. But almost every week, it was a paternity episode. And looking at it now, I mean, when I was a teenager, I was like, oh, oh my God, I can't believe it. It was all fun and, and, and exciting. Now it's just grieving. Like, you'd have people there, it's the, this is my seven. 17th paternity test, and I'm going to get it right today. And it's like, mm, no, you are not. Like, I don't know why you need 17 of these. And then the worst part is when they would say to the dad, you are not the father. And then he would run down that 14-mile hallway. Remember that? Like the ladies, when they get upset, they'd run down the everlasting hallway. And then, you know, the guy would chase him. There'd be this whole thing. And I'm just thinking, like, there's a child in the middle of all this. You know, I mean, it's entertainment in the moment if you're not really thinking about it and you're kind of laughing at their pain. But the reality is there's a child here whose, whose parents or maybe not parent is fighting over whether or not that's theirs. No one's willing to acknowledge this kid and the pain that that's got to have. And Father's Day, it's not always great for everybody. I, I respect that. I understand that. This isn't always a nice holiday for people because there are a lot of people whose father never acknowledged them, never wanted them. Now, again, for me, I could never wrap my head around that. I would never understand that um, just because of where I am and, and what I've gone through. But I also understand that maybe I haven't been put in the same situations that some of these men have. Maybe I didn't deal with the same things that they dealt with growing up. Nonetheless, it has an effect on their children, and it might have an effect on you about not being publicly acknowledged, not being recognized as someone's. God acknowledged Jesus as his only begotten son. And think about this now in that same way. As believers, we are called, public, or we are publicly acknowledged as God's adopted sons. Listen, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 15. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought you about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Even if you have these issues, even if this is a part of you and your struggle and the fact that you were never acknowledged by your Father, I need you to understand that this is important. You have been acknowledged by your Heavenly Father. And the difference between adoption and biological birth is adoption looks all across the earth and chooses you. Yeah. Whereas biological birth, it is what it is. Like, that's, that's my kid, and what am I going to do? That's my kid, right? Adoption says, no, no, I, I picked you. I chose you with all your flaws, with all your mistakes, with everything going on around you. I choose you. The scriptures tell us, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Right? God chose you to be his son and daughter. So regardless of those feelings of saying, well, I was never wanted, I was never wanted. No, no, no. You were always wanted, even before you were born, even before I knit you together in my mother's womb, I knew you. You were always wanted by God. 
This is the most beautiful part of this relationship. This is why we can call him Abba, Father. That term Abba, it's a term of endearment. It's like daddy, right? It's like papi. It's no, no, you are my father. You acknowledge me. Even when my earthly father didn't acknowledge me, you have been there. Sometimes though, we can get embarrassed by our fathers. We can get embarrassed by their acknowledgement. Some kids even pretend to ignore them at risk of ridicule from school. I remember when my parents would walk me to school, there came a point where I needed them to, you know, be a block behind me. I understand you gotta see me and make sure nobody kidnaps me. About a block, you can catch up to the kidnapper. But I need some space, because you're kind of cramping my style, you're making me look lame. And, and we don't, we don't want to acknowledge our parents. You know, we're embarrassed about our parents. Our, you know, my dad, he used to try to embarrass us every time we were in public. He would do things purposely just to make sure we looked dumb. And I was like, Pop, stop it. And it got to a point where I'm like, you're just embarrassing yourself, old man. Like, this doesn't phase me at all. But a lot of times we can get embarrassed by our parents and we don't want to acknowledge our parents even though they want to acknowledge us. And sometimes we as believers, we do the same when we fail to acknowledge God for a number of reasons. So God the Father acknowledged you, and yet you are embarrassed of him. We have fear or embarrassment or doubt or whatever reason you might have where we don't acknowledge our relationship with God. We don't acknowledge the sonship that we have in the Father. We don't acknowledge that we are Christians and believers. Sure, in here in this room, that's pretty easy, but when it comes to the workplace, when it comes to your school, when it comes to your neighborhood, when it comes to even family events, we shrink back and almost fail to acknowledge the God who has acknowledged us. And we need to be very careful with this because God doesn't play with that. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 through 33, he says it very plainly, Jesus speaking, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. There's really no dancing around that. Oh, you're embarrassed of me? You're embarrassed to be a Christian? You're embarrassed to talk about your faith? You're embarrassed to open up to somebody and invite them to church? That's fine, but don't be surprised when I don't acknowledge you before God. Because remember, we can only come to the Father through Jesus. It's only through Jesus Christ that we are given that adoption. He is the, you know, through the Holy Spirit, the seal of our adoption papers, if I could say it that way. And so when here on earth, when God gives you divine opportunities to acknowledge him, to say, this is my father, would you like to meet him? This is my father, let me tell you what he's done in my life. When we fail to do that, what we're saying is I'm embarrassed of you and I don't want other people to know I'm associated with you because then X, Y, Z. And God's like, that's fine. You can be embarrassed of me, but I won't acknowledge you later on either because it goes both ways. And listen, sometimes we do it subtly. I don't think most of us are intentionally trying to hide our relationship with God, but are we being open and transparent about our relationship with God? Uh, are we willing to acknowledge and say, hey, can I tell you what God did in my life? I just did this camp in, in New Mexico. I just got back this week. And one of the things we were trying, I mean, we saw God do miraculous things, people full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I had this one student we were praying for and, and he's just weeping because God healed his knee. He had a bad knee, he had broken it a couple times throughout the year. He couldn't bend it without pain. He could not jump. And so we're like, did God heal you? I mean, he's crying, he's like, yeah, God healed me. I said, then jump. And he leapt all over the place like a gazelle. And the next day he dominated in volleyball because he was just jumping through the roof. 
And I'm like, that's awesome. But here's the worst thing you can do is not tell anybody about that. So I put them on the platform. I said, now tell everyone here. And then when you go home, tell everyone there. Why? I need to acknowledge what my father has done. I need to acknowledge who my father is and the power and the, and the abilities that he has given me to do what God has called me to do. So it's not so much hiding God, it's withholding God. When you know somebody is going through something and the answer is your relationship with God and you're unwilling to share that, you're failing to acknowledge who God is. When God gives you opportunities, and I believe God oftentimes gives us what I consider divine opportunities where he opens the door and you fail to walk through it. You fail to acknowledge God. And I know in time or two I failed in my life, but I don't ever want that to be the habit. I don't want to miss on the chances that God has given me because my father has been too good to me for me not to be open to other people about who he is. Because I know what it means to not be adopted by the father. And there are so many people floating around in need, desperation of a heavenly father. Who am I to withhold that? The second thing I love, Jesus looks down and says, this is my son. And then he adds, whom I love. God the Father was not afraid to have public affection for his son. Listen, I, I don't know if it's just my background. My whole life, I gave my dad a kiss on the cheek. To this day, I kiss my dad on the cheek. I have no shame whatsoever about kissing my dad on the cheek. If you come up to me, you kiss your dad on the cheek? I say, yeah, he's my dad. Well, I don't care what you think. My dad, I just, I love him. And I'm thinking in my head, there's going to be one day where I won't be able to kiss him on the cheek. So I'm kissing him all over. That's my dad, all right? And so uh, I've never been afraid to show public affection. I've never been afraid to say, Papi, I love you. It's just never been a thing for me. And he's never been afraid to show it to me. We've always been very affectionate with each other. Um, some of my greatest memories are just laying on his lap watching Three Stooges at midnight when we should both be asleep and just giggling and laughing our heads off. Right? I have no problem with public affection. But I think a lot of us sometimes do. And maybe you grew up with a father who didn't really show you a lot of public affection, who, who didn't really nurture you like that, who wasn't a big hugger, or who, I'm, I'm a huge hugger, like physically and spiritually. I love to hug. I believe hugging is my superpower. I'm amazing at it. Try me if you want. I got no problem with it. The Lord made this to hug, okay? That's what I do. And so I'm not afraid to show affection. And, and it's funny because I think throughout the years, as, especially as a youth pastor, I tried very much to be affectionate towards our young men. Again, not you know, boundaries, I'm a grown man, but um, at the same time, telling them, hey man, I'm proud of you. Dude, hey, I love you. That word, I love you, I've never been afraid to use that. Why, because that's how I feel. And I want you to know that. And I want you to understand that you are loved. And you are appreciated. And this is what I love about God the Father. He was not afraid to say, hey, listen, it's not just about what he does. It's not just about who he is. This is my son, I love him. And remember, the Bible says they all heard this voice. This was a public demonstration of God's love for his son. And remember, Jesus Christ mimicked everything the father did. And Christ demonstrated his love for us on the most public of stages. God didn't die on the cross privately. He wasn't crucified in a basement in a back room somewhere. Christ publicly acknowledged his love for us. In Romans chapter five, verse eight, it says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because we know that love is a verb, it's a demonstration. Anybody can say it, but do you do it? 
And my father, we were always affectionate, but he was never great at saying those things unless it was like a particular holiday where we wrote him a card and then he said it back. And on those occasions, yes, but not on the random Friday. It was not, hey, son, I love you. It was like, stop jumping on the bed. Why are you acting like that? Go mow the lawn, get out of the house, blah, blah, blah. Those are the kind of things that I would hear from my dad. It wasn't always public text, but we always knew it. We always understood that he loved us. But here's the thing about public affection. Uh, it'd be nice to hear it every now and then. <laughs> it'd be nice to experience it. Listen, do you hold back your public affection for the Lord? It's funny how uh, we hear these old sayings that it's not manly to show emotions, that being affectionate in public can be embarrassing. But I just think that's, that's a load of nothing. I think we're affectionate, we're passionate about the things we're affectionate and passionate about. We show public affection for the things that we want to be affectionate about, whether it's sports, whether it's movies, whether it's your favorite show, whether it's a vehicle. I've seen men weep over cars. I'm not a car guy, maybe it's because I was broke my whole life, I just didn't even think about cars. I'm not gonna obsess over something I can never have, I just thought that was dumb. But there are some men, and, and women too, bro, there are some people, you go nuts for a car, it drives under all, you're like, that's a 57 Chevy, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm like, dude, I don't care. <laughs> like, I will never have that, I'm broke, it's never gonna happen, and I, I wouldn't spend my money on that. <laughs> But they show that affection. They, they, they literally, they stare. I've seen men get on their hands and knees to look under a car. Wow, look at that. I'm like, but when it comes to worship, can we go there? Yeah. He sang that song again. <laughs> it's like the third time, Pastor Jason. Like, <laughs> Then we sit down. And listen, I, I, maybe you're showing honor by publicly standing, that's fine. But God doesn't need your honor, he wants your love. Yeah. And I'm not saying you have to demonstrate it like everybody else, but let, again, let's be authentic on this. Those of you who say, well, I'm just not very, you know, public about it, I'm not very demonstrative. And no, depends on what it is. Yeah. Because everybody's got something that you'll see excitement pop out of them. It could be a plate of food, it could be like I said, a car, it could be a brand new set of New Balance, whatever it is, everybody got something that gets you rolling, that gets you smiling, that gets you excited. And all I'm saying is God should be included in that. You should be excited every day you come, every time you show up on a Sunday. This is a moment to get excited about who God is with the people of God. It's part of what I love about coming to church. It's the only reason I would go to a, a sports game, because here's the reality. like I like the idea of going to a sporting event. Maybe it's just because I'm getting older. I get better angles, better commentary, better views on my television. Right When I'm in person, people are annoying around me. Some people aren't paying attention. Some people are being obnoxious. Some people are fist fighting. I'm like, dude, I just want to watch the game. Like, get off my back with this stuff. And, you know, and you pay a lot of money. And sometimes, like, you're going to a Bears game in December. That's not enjoyable. Stop it. That's not enjoyable. Okay? <laughs> but we, we are willing to freeze our tails off and cheer and scream and go in below weather. But let it rain a little bit in the morning. Yeah. I don't know if I can go to church today, Pastor. Yeah. It rained last night. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but not today. <laughs> you know, the roads are kind of crazy when it rains. So, so we'll go through all kinds of inclement weather to cheer on a group of people who don't even hear you. <laughs> and God instinctively listens to your specific worship and says, I want to hear you. 
listen, I, I got over being embarrassed about how I sound and look. I just go for it. I don't, I don't care. And I try to tell people, I ain't paying attention to you, so you shouldn't be paying attention to me. Like, I'm focused on the Lord. Okay? Now, listen, if I'm walking around slapping people, then maybe it's a different story. I've seen people that get a little too out of control in the aisle and backhand somebody, and it's like, that you should watch out for. But you know, God knows you love him. The same way your dad, or you knew your dad, or your mom loved you, or your spouse loves you. I mean, we know. Still nice to hear it, isn't it? It's still nice to, for somebody to acknowledge you and be like, hey, I love you. It's like, man, thanks. I knew you did, but I like hearing it. In the same way, God knows all things. God knows how you feel. God knows what you think. God knows deep down that you love him. But it'd be nice for him to hear it. And it'd be nice for other people to hear that you love God. I remember one time, one of our students, she had brought up the fact, she goes, you really love your wife, don't you? I go, yeah, why? She goes, you're always talking about her. I go, I want you to hear how a husband should talk about his wife. Amen. I want you to know because not everybody gets to hear that all the time. And so I want you to know, I love my wife and I have a great relationship with my wife. And I want you to hear what that sounds like because some of us only grew up with hearing parents fight. And so I want to set the example. And in the same way, how can somebody understand God's love if they're not seeing it expressed in those that he loves already and those that love him back? We have to be able to do this publicly not just to have public acknowledgement of who God is, but to be willing to show our public affection. This is my son, whom I love. And then he goes on to say, with, whom, with him, I am well pleased. God the Father was willing to give his son public affirmation. Public affirmation, wow. Affirmation is a ridiculously powerful thing. Uh, for years, we would do a leaders retreat in the youth, and it was my favorite time of the year, just getting together with our youth leaders and pursuing the presence of God. And one of the highlights of that retreat is our affirmation time. We never scheduled enough time for the affirmation time. Like, we tried to, like, are we going to give it two hours? Two hours should be enough. Four hours later, it's like, okay, next year, four hours. We probably needed to dedicate a day, a day to affirmation. Because here's what would happen is we would get in a circle or we would get in a group and we would just begin to tell people what they mean. We would just begin to let them know you are this and you are this and you are this and we are proud of you and we love you and it was always the most emotionally overwhelming. It's like, I did my best, I'm sorry. And, And it was just this release of just joy and love because it's like, I've always been insecure. I've never felt good enough. I've never, we all have that. So we all need affirmation. We all, from time and again, need to understand. See, to affirm is to state as a fact strongly and publicly. To say, hey, you know what? You are da, 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 and man, I love you for that. To just publicly acknowledge and affirm somebody is a wonderful thing. Pastor Jason, where's Pastor Jason at? Is he here? Pastor Jason, bro, you are anointed. You have a way of not just leading people in song, but leading them into the presence of God that is authentic and real and genuine. And I appreciate everything you bring to the table. I praise God that he brought you in this place. But that's, and that's not fluff. I mean, that's genuine. That's who you are. And even like Pastor Izzy, you know, I was just talking to somebody uh, at that camp who knew him and they're like, man, I, you know, I'm so happy that the Martys are there. And I'm like, you know what? I know he's gotten to sing on, on several platforms and been in front of thousands of people. But the reason we were so happy and excited for him to come is because this week he sent me a text. 
about the fact that he got to pray over this castle that they built while he was out in his training session. And it's an honor that's usually reserved to a chaplain, but they recognize the spirit of God on this young man. And they said, would you pray? And then the fact that this young lady who was living a homosexual lifestyle that he's been ministering to since he got into that has now told him that she's going to church and she's serving God and God's beginning to transform things. To me, that's the kind of people I want running with us in this church. That's why I have the, I honor you, my friend. I thank you for that. And honestly, listen, I could just go through the room. Remember, Pastor Carlos is here, the unbelievable spiritual father that he's been to me. You know, he's never had his own biological children, but there is at least three to four, your daughters, and I hope your son, that you have poured into and that you have just admonished and raised. Again, I affirm you. I thank you for who you are in that. Could you imagine if you just did that on a regular basis? And I just rattled them off, right? And I'm not trying to be inauthentic. I, I'm trying to say exactly how I feel about these people. But in the same way, to pull someone aside and say, hey, listen, I don't know if I've told you this in a while. But your ability to pray is impacting me in ways that you never understood. Every time I hear you pray, it really pushes me. Or, hey, the, the kind of mother that you are to our children has been phenomenal. And I'm so grateful for you. And I don't want to wait till Mother's Day or Father's Day to tell you you're a good parent. I just want to affirm you. Affirmation is incredibly powerful. God the Father was affirming Jesus before everyone there. And can I point out something? This is the beginning of Christ's ministry. He is baptized and then right after immediately he's put into the desert led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted and then he begins that three year journey of a ministry that we read throughout the gospels. You know what I love about this? He says, this is my son whom I love and in whom I'm well pleased and he hasn't done anything yet. Did you recognize that? He hasn't healed the blind yet. He didn't feed the 5,000 yet. He hasn't resurrected and conquered death yet. Before he did anything, God already loved him and was already pleased with him. And for us, we struggle because we constantly feel like we have to earn love and we have to earn somebody's affirmation. But that's not what God does. Throughout scripture, God publicly affirms his people. Listen, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God doesn't have to say that about us. Because if God wants to be very honest, he could say, you know what, you're a rebellious, wicked generation who doesn't listen to me, who doesn't pay attention. And listen, throughout some scriptures, he ain't afraid to say that. But he's also not afraid to affirm, to remind you, hey, you're a chosen people. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I adopted you. I affirmed you. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, my special possession. It's because of God's affirmation that we are called to affirm who he is and what Jesus has done. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Why do we do that? Because he affirms me. And that affirmation firmly plants me in a way where I can return that and I can give that back. Let's not be embarrassed about who our father is. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel. Let's not be ashamed of the transformative life that we experience because of who God is. Because those are the things that people are looking for. They don't want you to explain your theology. They don't want you to go through the actual hermeneutics of the Bible in a way that they can study it and comprehend it. That may come. But honestly, in the beginning of all of it, they just want to know that you love God. Why would I love a God that you don't love? 
Why would I serve a God that you don't want to serve? Why would I want to be a part of a church that you don't even like going to? God the Father was willing to publicly affirm, uh, show affection, and acknowledge his son. And in the same way, we should be willing to do that to God the Father. Worship team, if you can help me out. What I love most about our Father, our Heavenly Father, well, there's a few things. One, it's that because we all have the same Father, we all become a part of the family of God. Which means I don't need to know you long to love you because we serve the same Father. It's like, you know, growing up, especially, you know, I'm from, my dad's and I'm from Puerto Rico, and in the town we're at in Puerto Rico, there's only one Silva family. So anytime you run into a Silva from that town, it's automatic family. And that, everybody kind of knows that. And so it's weird because over the years, I've met people for the first time. Actually, one time, my driver's ed class, they brought in a police officer to talk about road safety, and his last name was Silva, and he called on me for something. He said, what's your name? I was like, you know, Jose Silva. He goes, where's your family from? No, no, we just went through the genealogy. He's like, oh, you're my cousin. And instantly, I was like, oh, family. <laughs> like, it's weird, right? That, that feeling of like, you know, sometimes I, out in Mexico, I got 32 first cousins. It's <laughs> My grandparents did not have a television in Mexico. <laughs> and, uh, and I've met them maybe twice, maybe three times, ever. But I look at them on Facebook and I see them like, that's my family. And in the same way in the kingdom of God, I was, like I said last week in New Mexico, weeping and crying out on behalf of people that I didn't know personally, but I know them spiritually. These are my people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And listen, I get it. Sometimes when you've got brothers and sisters, you get into fights. I heard Pastor Evelyn was telling on me when she preached to the youth this Thursday. Teenagers don't believe half of what she said in that. But it is an honor to have God the Father. And in John chapter one, verse 12, this isn't gonna be on the screen, I just, the Lord led me on this one this morning. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believed in him, to those who received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. What a wonderful right we've been given. With everything that comes with the sonship that we have in God. With everything that comes with having a heavenly father. Last night, um, it was three in the morning. I heard banging and a glass break. I leapt out of my, you ain't never seen a guy this size get up that quick. I leapt out of my bed and I searched every room and looked out every window and then stood outside just in case, who's near my house? And my wife's like, is everything okay? I go, it is now. She said, what happened? I was like, I heard something and I leapt. Why? Because my girls and my wife are in my home. And as a father, I protect my home. Now, I didn't have no weapons on me. They were gonna catch you know, thunder and lightning, but they were gonna catch them. 
But it's funny, I didn't even think, it was three in the morning. It wasn't a thought. It was who I am. God the Father doesn't even have to think about it. He doesn't have to consider if you're worthy enough to protect, if you're worthy enough to love, if you're worthy enough to listen to in your prayers. He's your father. <laughs> He's your dad. He will leap and hear your cry. He will jump at every moment because he loves you. Doesn't owe us anything. Doesn't owe us anything. But he chooses to love you and he chose to adopt you and he chooses to acknowledge you, to show affection to you and to affirm you for no other reason but because you belong to him. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we get ready to close. And I just want to clarify one more thing. In a moment, I'm going to pray for all of us. But I'm going to ask you for just a moment, would you bow your head and close your eyes? I just want you to listen to my voice. In that scripture I just read, it says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name. There's a caveat to having the right of becoming his child. It's not everybody, you know, people like to say we're all children of God. That's not true. Only those who have received and believed in Jesus Christ have the right to be called the children of God. So if you've never done that, everything that I've been saying is not applicable to you yet. But the Bible is very clear that Jesus Christ gave his life, that God the Father gave his only begotten son so that all who believe in him would have eternal life. So sir, ma'am, you have every right to that sonship if you choose to believe and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But it is your choice. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I wanna make sure I give you that opportunity because it would be a waste of a divine opportunity to not say, sir, ma'am, Young man, young lady, if you're in this room this morning and you have never given your life to Jesus, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior. I'm not talking about coming to a church. I'm not talking about joining a religion. I'm talking about a real and genuine relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you've never done that, but throughout this message, you kept feeling that tug, that draw, that moment of saying, I want to be with you. I need you to know that's God talking to you this day. So with every head bowed, every head closed, the Bible says it's very simple, that you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, you are saved. So if there's anyone here who would say, Pastor Joey, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I don't want to keep going life away from him. Then all I need you to do is lift up your hand and I'll pray for you. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Anyone else? Says, that's me, Pastor. I want a relationship with God today. Thank you. Anyone else? I'll just give it another moment. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? This is your moment. This is your opportunity to say yes. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you see every hand that's raised. And Lord, like we said, you knew them before they were knit in their mother's womb. You called them to you, God, even now and this morning. 
And Father God, I pray in this moment as they confess with their mouth, Lord, as they lifted up their hand to acknowledge their need of a Savior. Lord, I pray that you would wipe away all their sin, God. Would you make them afresh and anew this morning, God? Would you give them that fresh start, that new birth as children of you, God? Lord, I pray in this moment that you would help them, God, to learn from you, to be like you, to grow in you, almighty God. Would you surround them with believers that will help them and guide them and lead them, brothers and sisters in Christ that love them enough to show them how to love you back. And Lord, I pray against the lies and the scheme of the enemy that may try to derail what you have started. Lord, we ask that you put a hedge of protection around their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and that you will lead them into all righteousness. And Lord, in that same way, I pray for every one of us believers in this room. God, we're so grateful for your acknowledgement of us that you would look across the earth and call us unto you. We're so grateful for the constant affirmation and reminder that we belong to you, God. That there is nothing that can snatch us out of your hand. That there's no height nor depth or anything in between that could ever keep us from your love. And we thank you, God. We thank you because you are willing to be affectionate to us publicly. You didn't just say you loved us, you demonstrated it on the cross. So Lord, I just pray, help us to do the same for you. Help us to acknowledge you publicly. Help us to not be ashamed of showing public affection in our worship and the way we carry ourselves in our day-to-day life. Help us to affirm you by living the life you called us to live. We thank you, God, for this word. And we thank you, God, for everything that it's led us to do. We pray, God, that you would help us even today, God, to be reminded that we all have a heavenly Father who loves us, who has called us according to his purposes. And we pray it all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Would you give God a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you. I just miss you in the grace of the Lord. We'll see you on Monday.